Hey. Thanks for doing a super dangerous spacewalk to save my life. That was pretty cool. No worries. Cerrito's strong, right? Totally. Sorry I've been a jerk all year. I kind of thought you hated me. Yeah, you know, I think when I like people, I maybe go out of my way to force some distance, so that's on me. So what I'm taking away from that was that you like me? No, shut up. Come on. Congrats, Brad. You were a real hero today. Thanks, but anyone would have done the same. Whoa, check out Mr. Humble Confidence. Where'd you come from? I guess when you almost drown in whale pee, it makes you not sweat the small stuff anymore, you know? Oh, Mom noticed the decorations, by the way. What? Uh, did, did, did she know it was me? Mm, she probably assumes it was children, actually. <gasps> Captain! Captain! I drew the banners! Huh, I like that guy. Right? He's great. Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. I am Johnson, one of your hosts, and with me is Mike, my co-host. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? I am good, Johnson. How are you today? I'm doing all right. You know, it's another week, another dollar. Here we go. You know, making money, trying to survive, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm doing, I think overall I'm doing good. It's been, it's been a busy week. There's been a lot going on. I've been social. Work has been going. You know, I think things are right. What about you? As we joked earlier uh, on Slack, I was saying that... What did did I say? I don't know. It's been a long afternoon. Uh, I was saying that, oh, drowning is fine, right? This is the state state of life. It it is a state of... Drowning is a state of being. And... I have come to accept that. Yeah. Yes. But you've also been having a busy week. Yeah. You've been, uh, you've been doing a marathon training. Yeah. Work's right, busy. Uh, uh, work is really busy. Yeah. Uh, marathon training. Uh, well, half marathon training. Mm-hmm. Real marathon training will start sometime next year. Half marathon um, training. Half marathon. Uh, yeah. We, we had, I took the afternoon off. How nice. I know, right? Um, You took a half day? I took a half day uh, because uh, we had a vet visit for Hamish, his first. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah. You said he was a bit of a nightmare yesterday, though. Yeah. So, which was kind of funny because both the the vet assistant and the vet both said, oh, how's it going? Because they knew that we had 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 Hamish for two weeks. And we were all we all we we paused dramatically, <laughs> and they both <laughs> laughed. And I was like, you know, one day he's, I, uh, you know, like today he was chill and really easygoing and everything. And then yesterday he was like a demon child. So yes, it was uh, yesterday was a little hairy at times. Uh, he the the highlight, actually not really the highlight, but. The most stressful part was when I went inside for a moment to dispose of his fecal matter and uh-huh. 
uh, I walked back to the doorway and he was 90% under the bottom metal step. Right. And I was like, so our backyard steps are made of metal. And so he had he was crawled. basically crawling into like the crawl space underneath yes. the the steps, right? Yes. And I was I literally if he got stuck in there, that would be a problem. Yeah, no, I was would have to call like the fire department or something, and we would have no back steps anymore because they would have to have torn them apart to get our poor puppy out. So um yeah, so that was exciting. So I yelled his name and he pulled himself out. Thankfully, we did. Yeah. Uh, but we had a, a little talking to after that. And uh, are you going to block it off? We are. Yeah, we, we have to. I mean, he's getting bigger. I mean, so we found out he's gained two and a half pounds in the week, two weeks that we've had him. Uh-huh. So uh, and he's 16 weeks old this week. So uh, he got a bunch of his shots and was really good, but uh, yeah, I mean, eventually he'll be too big, but he's still crafty enough to do things like that. So, right, uh, yeah, it was a very uh, freak out moment for me yesterday. That'd been really annoying if he got stuck underneath. Yeah, I mean, it would. Yeah, it would absolutely have fire, firemen, fire people coming through. Fire the- people. Fire people coming through, traipsing through the whole apartment to go out back to basically bring their big metal things and cut our stairs to pieces. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. That would have been stressful. Uh, But fortunately, he pulled himself back out and um, all was well. Good, Good job not having him go the other way, like go more in. Oh, gosh, yeah, that would have been horrible. So, yeah, but, you know, today he was great at the vet, got a bunch of shots, and in five mm-hmm. days he'll be able to join the real world. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, so... Have a lot to experience. Yeah, so I had to carry... Luckily, the vet is right around the corner, which was extremely helpful, but I had to carry him, lug him around. Like in... Uh carrying thing like a dog no, i carried him like carried carried him like oh physically held him as i walked down the street oh wow okay because uh he's not protected against anything that's on the ground right or, right um or other dogs which you pass like three or four other dogs so he can't really interact with other dogs yet so it's, yeah but he's he's good so all went well, and uh, we're going back in two weeks for the next round of shots, and then, uh, yeah, and then he'll he'll. I think the first other dogs he's gonna meet are my sister's dogs up in Massachusetts when we go. What? What do you mean, really? Well, I mean, I mean, we'll walk him, and I guess he'll meet some other dogs on the street. I guess yeah. that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be like you know me passing someone on the street in new york city and being like oh hey i know you or i don't know you but hi hi you know right so so yeah so yeah that's exciting yeah so that's the the news over on this end of of new york city Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so and we were feeding him the wrong dog food which is just fantastic I'm sure he's fine. So, he's survived yeah. for two weeks. He, he so. is sur- Yeah, no, the the not that the dog food was bad. It's just uh yeah, we got recommended a different type of food. So I'm sure it's enough sustenance either way. 
Yeah. So. No, we we did not cause irrevocable damage to no. our dogs. So no, he's all is well. Wonderful. So, yeah, so that's what's going on here. Um, any any news on the matchmaking front? Yes. So I followed up this week, and so I'm guaranteed two per month, right? right. Yeah. Um, and it's actually already approaching the one month mark. I think it's we're a week away. Yeah. And honestly, it took a while to set up, do the intaking, the survey, the interview and such. And I mentioned last week how they did offer a match, but it didn't work out. Um, So I reached out this week because I haven't heard since then. And the matchmaker said that um, they're getting a lot of passes. (laughs) So we'll probably have to just carry over into next month, which is fine. Okay. So uh no no update there so it is what it is yeah i mean better to get rid of the passes now and you know yeah he did say that they're going to redouble their efforts and i was like all right whatever you know (laughs) because then no i mean it's just going to continue building but yeah i probably don't anticipate um any follow-ups until next week at this point i would say yeah so we'll so see. they're so they're gonna not charge you for a month no i'm so deal? charged it's just the number of guaranteed matches carries over so for next month i'll have four oh uh, okay i see interesting it's not like a use it or lose it situation it's right 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 it's no it's interesting like if you know i just think it's interesting if you don't fulfill something you know, I mean, I understand, I guess, carrying it over is one way, but another way would be like, oh, you know what? We didn't match you this month. Your two ninety nine is covered for the next month. Like, yeah, that's just I can understand that, too. That would be a little bit hard from a business model standpoint if you. um, Yeah, but I think it. to be fair, I think it makes them accountable for the work that they're doing. Not I'm not right. saying that they're not doing the work, but I'm saying like it puts a little bit of fire under yeah. their feet. He did say that I'm going to get a report at the end of the month. So that was, I think that will essentially break down in more detail how many people they reached out to, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Well, yeah. So nothing yet. But we'll see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, Cool. So, yeah. Why don't, so we have a lot to talk about today. So why don't we first start with what have you been Star Trekking? And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Or what have we been Star Trekking, rather? Yeah. Um, so I think the only thing that I have Star Trek recently, other than obviously Lower Decks, is uh-huh. uh, I yes. watched yeah. I watched the Descent season finale and season opener for. Um, Why did next- you watch that again? So our sister podcast rewind on the truck geeks podcast network has covered these two stories over the last couple of their episodes so i see um and they do a funny take they kind of like take the story and rewrite it rewrite it in a different just in a funny way i love the way that uh sarah and Haley do that so um so yeah so i watched descents part one and two and um so yeah, you know, it's just uh I, I and I forgot. It's okay. For- it's an okay two parter. 
yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it's not it's not amazing i would agree you know there it's a you know it's a decent cliffhanger uh because you really don't know what's going on you don't even really see hugh until the second part of the episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's that you know um yeah it's it's kind of a an interesting thing with lore so it's also i didn't realize this this is the last time we saw lore oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i didn't realize that so um so there's that uh that piece so you know that you know i know he's deactivated and we never really find out what happens to him do we uh-huh no so even in picard so I, you know i mm. No, not in Canada anyway. Yeah, so I've never... I'm interested to see... There was actually a news story today, I think, speaking of Star Trek news, uh, that I guess Brent Spiner had... Not really, like, he's in season two of Picard, but we haven't... He hasn't really said too much about what his character is in season two. Right. um, There is some speculation around that, and I think... You know, that it's lore. Called... That's what I guess about season one too. Yeah, I I actually really thought that lore was the big baddie from season one, and I think that would have been, I think that would have been really interesting. I don't, I, I can see why they didn't. I mean, we had to meet meet them all on this planet. They they aren't evil per se, but they're definitely you know threatened and. Uh, yeah, so I don't think the character of Laura really fits into, Mm-mm. yeah. Into that. I but so. I, I early on in watching Picard season one, I was wondering, I was thinking, you know, where does you know where does Laura kind of fit in? Or I'd forgotten that they had deactivated him, but we'd never. I'm seen not him. holding my breath. Yeah. Like, so yeah. yeah, no. Um, but that would be interesting, right? Um, or maybe he's coming back as Data in this alternate timeline that Q is creating. So. Who knows? Um, but didn't Brent Spiner say that he didn't want to play Data again? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I mean, I think may, I mean maybe he could be playing Lore in this alternate universe, and that would be interesting. Mm, um, maybe. So I mean, another maybe or maybe another long lost relative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's playing uh, Nuni and Doctor Sung. Doctor Sung. Yeah. Um, so yeah, who knows? Uh, but so there's that. So you know, Descent is a is a fine tale. I really do like the, I do like the bridge aspect of it. You know, from uh, Beverly running the ship. Yes, and, that part was cool. And, and the kind of interaction. I got a chance to actually command the ship. Yeah, and and to interact with the the lower decks people that were mm-hmm. oh, the skeleton crew. There. Yeah, the skeleton crew. So I thought that was mm-hmm. you know that was a nice part of the story um so yeah so that's uh that's primarily what i have star trek recently uh what about you what have you been watching so it's funny because one of my co-workers um wanted to start a star trek like a a tos kind of like viewing schedule some sort she wanted to kind of just talk about star trek on occasion so i was like sure and then i was like why don't we start with the cage and i was like oh it's like the original pilot of TOS and she's like okay and uh yeah it's actually hard to find the cage is only available at least based upon me searching for a few minutes on Paramount Plus 
Hulu has, so it's off Netflix. TOS is off Netflix. Um, it's still on Hulu, but Hulu doesn't have the cage. Oh, interesting. Only Paramount Plus has the cage. I mean, it might be available for purchase on like Amazon Prime or things like that. Or, you know, you can rent it on Google or YouTube or whatever. But um, yeah, for streaming, just regular streaming, it was only available on Paramount Plus. I was like, oh, that's kind of annoying. Um, so she actually didn't watch it because she couldn't find it. And I was like, I felt bad. I was like, oh, should I start with the man trap then? Um, but, you know, I went ahead and did my homework and I watched The Cage. And I was just reminded of how much I didn't like it. <laughs> like, you know, that's basically what it boiled down to. Um, it is just, uh, I mean, some of it is okay. You know, like the Salosians are fine. But like, Honestly, it is very, very, very dated. It is the the whole concept of like having yeah, trapping trapping Captain Pike and then having him giving him options of women to choose from to basically procreate on this planet. Um, and not only that, like him having multiple comments about how he feels odd that there are women on the bridge. It's just like, it's, it's, um, yeah, it it is just very, very dated in that respect. And it was really hard to watch. Um, And I just couldn't get past it. I like the whole concept of um, him with Bina and then Bina literally throwing herself at him and she literally is just like a damsel in distress, like the whole episode. It's so bad. I'm like, I have so many issues with it. Um, and, but this is the problem. The thing is like Gene Roddenberry, I think like was kind of like, um, you know, he's a visionary in many respects, but there have been many conversations about his view on women. And even in like the TNG era, um, how a lot of that, uh, machismo carried over into how women were seen and viewed, even in this futuristic, idyllic universe. Um, you know, and it, it's a problem. You know, it's it's an issue. Um, so I'm glad we're getting shows like Stranger Worlds, where hopefully we'll have a lot more strong women in that era. We're getting Ahura an actual story. Like, you know, she's actually a real person. Versus yeah, exactly. just like a token black female on the bridge, which right. honestly, what she was distilled down to in the original series. Like, you know, it's just like, I had a hard time watching it. Like, and I, rewatching it made me dislike TOS even more. Um, so yeah, anyway. Um, so obviously I have very strong feelings about it, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, I swallowed my distaste and watched a whole episode and uh, I was like, all right, well, that's over now. So I forgot I, I watched I actually watched the and we talked I, I don't remember if we talked about this last week I watched the penultimate episode of TOS oh yes you mentioned that all, all oh. our yesterdays which was um yeah there was definitely some, some a little bit about Marriott Hartley being in it and how scantily clad she was but or not scant you know but I mean yeah yeah Let's I mean honest. the original like, series other is than a, DS9 the TOS TNG Enterprise or oh, Voyager, obviously DSI and Voyager, 
well, you can even argue Voyager had many issues with seven, like, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. I think actually DS9 is like the only one where I'm like, okay, we actually have like strong, strong, smart women that, you know, were not objectified for the most part and actually right. stood their ground against the men that they were surrounded by. I mean, like, Janeway does that in Voyager, but she's- Yeah, but then we got one. seven, you yeah. know? No, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm not, no, I'm- Janeway, I, yes. I, but then of course we, you know, they, they needed the female sex object. So, um, so yeah, I mean, mean, it's a, you know, it's a product of the male dominated, uh, you know, uh, boardroom, the the industry, you know, industry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's definitely something that's changed and, and thankfully so obviously, uh, but yeah, you know, it took a long time. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And it's kind of unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But yes, so did watch that. Um, and uh, we will see. She's so my coworker, she did not. I, I don't think she watched The Man Trap. I'm like reluctant to push it because the there are some scenes in The Man Trap too, from what I recall, where it was also very like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I think uh, there were a couple of scenes from what I recall where um, there were like women just serving men food or something like that. I, you know, on the bridge or whatever, I, it made me cringe. I was just like, um, so I'm not pushing it hard. Um, this view, this uh, this viewing party we have going on, but you know, we'll see. What was the what was the impetus to do the original series? So I so she found out that I have a Star Trek podcast, and we have a you know we have a good working relationship, and I think we just talked about star trek and then i made a mention she's not a big star trek fan at all but i made a mention that i haven't really done a full series watch through a tos and so she was like oh we should do it together i'm like okay sure you know but then uh watching watching uh the cage reminded me as to why i haven't done a full series watch through a tos so yeah um anyway anyway um, I will get off my soapbox. I will, <laughs> I will gently step off. Um, I know you had a couple other uh, pieces of Star Trek news that you want to talk about, right? Well, I got a uh, yeah, I do. Uh, so speaking of the original series, I got a review copy of the original series on Blu-ray Steelbook. Wonderful. So uh, yeah, I was, uh, and as I as I told you before we started recording, the 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 accompanying documentation talks more about the films that are coming out on right on 4k right. and so Which i've never heard much more about like um yeah the remastering of the, the, the remastering, remastering yeah yeah which i i'm actually really excited to watch rewatch the remastered version of the emotion will picture. it be less boring <laughs> i mean well and we'll talk about be nice that. to look at but yeah i think that's you know obviously uh you know a nine minute uh starship porn shot of the new enterprise is Mm -hmm. you know certainly going to be you know maybe a little bit more exciting in 4k i don't know but uh so yeah it was a little confusing because i was looking at the steel books of the original series and i was like but the pr stuff set talks about the movies and i'm like these aren't the movies and uh you know so it's a little confusing yes. but yeah as i read on it does talk about the original series also being in a limited edition blu-ray steelbook 
So, uh, and this is a nice, uh, nice set. So I, you know, for those people who collect DVD slash Blu-ray media and want to see, uh, see the, see the original series in that context. Uh, I think this is a really beautifully packaged set with uh, a lot of great features. And uh, yeah, I would definitely, you know, recommend checking it out. Um, yeah, and, and thanks to CBS for sending us a, a review copy of this. I, I think that they're, they're beautiful. And uh, I think we're gonna figure out a way to give this away at some point in the future. So you too can watch Toxic Male Masculinity in HD. <laughs> Just kidding. Am I? I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, yeah. Is it toxic? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's this, it's, it's a excessive. systemic, systemic. Yeah, so I think that's about it. Masculinity yeah. That is just there. It doesn't even be spoken about. It's just there. It's, it's systemic, yeah. which is, I don't know if that's better or worse, but whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah. It's hard to look back. All right, it. I'm putting this on my soapbox. It's fine. It's fine. It's not <laughs> there definitely, anymore. Definitely go and check out and check it out. I think this is a beautiful uh, set of discs and uh, definitely worth worth your investment if you're into media. Yes, into uh, discs. Into discs uh, and, and having the, having yes. the collection, whether you have an internet connection or not. So correct. Great. There you go. Uh, I imagine that the cage is on here, probably. So if I'm you, sure if, it is. If you had, uh, if you had this copy, you could have watched the cage. <laughs> I could have watched it in even higher way. definition. Uh, so yeah. So there's that. Uh, what else is going on in the Star Trek world? I mean, so we're going to talk a little bit later about Coda, but book two of Coda is coming out next week. Like in a week. Yeah. yeah so in Prodigy's coming, there's a lot going on. Prodigy's coming next Prodigy's, week. Yeah. Um, I've heard some, obviously the reviews have still been embargoed, but I've heard some good initial reactions. I've heard things like you won't be disappointed. Yeah. So I'm excited for Prodigy. And it's always nice to get like a fresh start with a new show and, you know, see where it goes. It's like a new adventure. Yeah, no. and I hear that the the opening episode is an hour long episode. Well, it's actually two. They're just playing two episodes, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's not really. Like yeah, a so that's kind of, so. Next week's a busy Star Trek week. You know, we've got Prodigy and we've got Coda Book Two coming yeah, out. So a lot going on. A lot going there's on. That and then yeah. we are less than a month away from Discovery season. Four. Yeah, I got the one month countdown social media card on I think Star Trek Plus or something. Yeah on Instagram. So another news, I just want to shout out Wilson Cruz, who was uh, recently awarded a Make a Difference Award from the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you go to his Instagram, you can hear his acceptance speech and talk about how uh, the story of Matthew Shepard impacted his life. And mm -hmm. uh, so the Matthew Shepard Foundation uh, so for those of you who don't know, Matthew Shepard was a 21-year-old young man in 1998 who was basically attacked and tied to a fence in outside of a town called Laramie, Wyoming, and he was left to die there. And he, he actually did die uh, five days later in a hospital. And uh, so his parents set up this foundation to honor him, his life, and his aspirations, but also to help... Um, 
people, organizations, communities just really embrace the dignity and the equality of everyone. So, uh, I, you know, it's a great honor. Uh, mm -hmm. This story definitely, I, I was aware of this story and this was long before I came out. So uh, I was definitely aware of this. And um, so, yeah, so uh, they honored Wilson for his, uh, I believe for his activism and his outspokenness and also for his work to help um to help bring about uh change and fight for equality and dignity right for right everyone. so no it's awesome so, yeah so cool. huge shout out to him uh definitely go and go to his instagram and check check out his acceptance speech i think it you know it's an amazing it's like seven minutes long and oh that's so long <laughs> it's not that long <laughs> seven uh, minutes you know, but it's it's well worth it. It's a he's he's Wilson is such a powerful speaker and uh, just a heartfelt individual that um, and he's you know, I I love he calls people out not in this video, obviously, but he's just he's an activist and he, he speaks out and mm -hmm. it's uh, it's really uh, inspiring, I think, to to listen to to the things that he um he says so you know if you follow him on instagram you see some of his live stories he gets he gets a little feisty about things which i love and uh yeah so huge shout out to wilson for for that honor and uh yeah yeah and and if you're listening we would love to have you on our podcast someday uh, <laughs> you, Way to you literally live what two miles from us three miles oh my God. You're across. I mean, we're on the west side of of New York City in in Midtown, and you are just across the East River in Long Island City. Oh my like god! Halfway across, right? So, I don't know how. I don't know how Long Island City works. Is it? It's I, basically just on the. It's by the water. I think he's by the water. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. He's, so he's not, he's not that far from us at all. Let's do lunch, Wilson. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, let's uh let's let's do a live recording in person uh of the podcast with wilson cruz and, and anthony rap if you're listening too, you know you're in the city uh we'd love to interview you too so anyway uh nice plug good job you know solving our podcast i mean uh, you know just putting in a little effort but it would be yeah. great to to meet them so hopefully we'll well anthony's going to mission chicago so we will make it a priority to connect say, with him say hello say hello and connect with him and invite him on the podcast then if he doesn't come on before then but um yeah so there we go cool but discovery is less than a month away so i'm excited about that as well very excited well let me temper my excitement and say I am moderately excited. I yes. Guess. Yes. I think we talked about that when we watched the the, the trailer. Uh, the trailer, yes. 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 So anyway, anyway. That's that's what we did in Star Trek this week. Ish. Cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we move on to the finale of Lower Decks season two? First first contact. Ops, but don't these guys do navigation? Wait, what are we? Hey, Kimolo, Matt, heads up! <laughs> Ow! 
to. But there's no time. There's a busted hull panel we need to release manually. Tendi and I can override the safety protocols, but one of you guys has to swim down and release the mag clamps. The what? But the panel's outside. Yeah, but the control node for the manual access clamps are down there. Can't these two do it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It wasn't designed for flippers. Okay, all right, sorry, sorry. Uh, once again, Beckett Mariner saves the day. Of course, my freaking mom will get all the praise. Oh, shut up! You're just mad because you don't want her to leave. So what if I am, okay? This is the most I've gotten along with her in years, and now she decides to take off. That's messed up. And I kind of already told her I never want to work with her again. The captain needs our support, especially from you. Look, however this rescue goes, either we're going to be dead or she's going to be on a new ship. Is this really how you want to leave things with her? Of course not. But I can't patch things up now. I have to swim down and unclamp a thingy. No, you don't. Boimler's got this. You guys don't understand my family. We are your family. We will always be there for you. And right now we're heading into a pile of crazy, dangerous space debris. Whoa, Tendi, I... I I don't know. Just trust us. We can do this. Go to the bridge. Apologize. And make sure your mom doesn't get us all killed. You guys are right. You got this, Boims. Yes, go. Thanks. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, Mike, what did you think of this episode? What did you think about the, about the season finale? I loved the season finale. I thought it was uh, a great all-around episode. I was... There were so many pieces of this story that I really loved. Uh, from the animated ship porn that we got. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, the Archimedes was gorgeous uh you know i do i do really like the excelsior class but this thing looks amazing they did a great job with it and they did some real huge callbacks to a lot of the movies in this uh so it was just really really cool uh i really enjoyed it i obviously just rewatched it again before we recorded so did i uh but i would watch it again and again i mean i thought that this this was this might have been the best lower decks episode of their 20 episode run i think and it was really good and i agree with you i the archimedes was was good um i i liked obviously the new ship design but i loved what they did with the cerritos and just removing the outer hull i don't think we've we've never seen that before that's no. legit the first time that we've seen anything like that. Like, I, you know, we've seen like a couple instances where there's maybe a piece of the outer hull that's missing, like on Enterprise or something where they had to remove a piece of outer hull to remove that Romulan mine or something. But that's like, but this was literally the entire ship was like naked and we saw the entire inner hull. Well, this and, is a callback to First Contact too. I mean- Yes, the uh, magnetic interlocks or something. Yes, yes, yes. Or whatever you call it. Had to do that oh. throughout the entire ship and remove all of the... And that hull. was just the uh, the main deflector dish. This was obviously everything. The, yeah, everything. And I, I loved that whole scene. Um, and once we actually saw the Cerritos without the outer hull, it was it was so cool. Like, it was we just never seen that before. Yeah, and no, we haven't. Uh, it, it was, was very unique. It was, it was very interesting. It's something very different, you know? than what's what's come before so i i really like their whole solution to this issue that they were they ran into they kind of science their way out of it and i, I love that yeah it was a definite uh yeah i think it, this hit every every right 
button that you could possibly hit in an episode solving something with science uh a huge rescue uh it's only 30 minutes and- which is longer than uh usual they usually have like 20 22 minutes 23 minutes but this is like 30 minutes i mean they could have gone on i would have i would have watched this if this were like a two-hour movie it was I mean, great was yeah so great and everyone it was also, also it was also very character driven too you know obviously we got a lot of the um the action and the the starship porn but it was everyone had something to do which is also everyone great. had a part and uh, everyone worked together which was also yeah you know, the last cerrito three episodes. strong cerrito strong yeah that was one thing i want to talk about you know i think this um and i think this is something that's been kind of creeping all season and i think i didn't really notice it until this episode but really a much more um much more heightened sense of pride in the crew because like you know like especially when we were first introduced to the cerritos in season one it was kind of like you know it's like c-list you know literally like cd list you know in starfleet um people other than like, i think like maybe ton not ton i'm sorry um tendy um everyone else was tendy and rutherford everyone else was kind of like looking to like move on or like not even Captain Freeman had much to say about like the ship, you know, she kind of recognized that it was like very, you know, it, it was no, not a, what was it called? Like, it's not like a capital ship, you know, it's, it's right. Yeah. Um, it's a workhorse. But, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, does second contact. It does the duty right. that other ships don't do. Yeah, but I think that this season, we've gotten a lot of snippets of this. Um, and I think that they did a great job of actually evolving the sense of camaraderie in the crew. And then also um, just general sense of like, yes, we're not like the best, but we still know, like, we we, we still hold pride in what we do and we still know our shit, you know? And everything really came to a head in this episode where, um, you know, everyone was really working together, collaborating, like, you know, working as like one crew and um, everyone was really proud to be part of the crew. I really like that. Like, I, I thought that, that was really great. And we've seen, like, and this also was reflected in, you know, Captain Freeman where she was offered this promotion. And by the end she was, gonna she was ready to say no to that um because she had a sense of belonging and i really like that you know um i don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that but no i thought that you know i thought that her decision to do that was great uh yeah i mean the whole cast was there when we were talking about the california class ships i laughed out loud at billip swearing about yeah like, that was a good had thing. to bleep out all the f yeah, everyone was like talking but, over each other and very emotional yeah it was you know he was he was very passionate about his ship and uh as the chief engineer and and you know so that that was hilarious and, and i also like that scene where they're all in the briefing room and yelling at her at freeman and and uh, Mariner's just sitting there watching yeah watching it like i'll you know it, the only thing that could have made that scene better is if she just sat there with popcorn and watched it. Yeah. Uh, that would have been hilarious. Um, 
So yeah, I, you know, there's that, there's, you know, Tendi being deleted from the medical staff and mm -hmm. thinking that she was leaving the Cerritos when, you know, Dr. Tana was basically promoting her to chief science officer training. And, and then she was like, like, Jadzia like Jadzia Dax. Dax, I know. And then Tana was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is Jadzia Dax? Which is, I think, really funny and self, you know, self-deprecating. Where it's like, all right, yeah, no one gets these references. Like, but then she did say, no, more like Spock, which uh, which makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't yeah. know Spock? You know. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was that was great. Uh, that was a nice turnaround with that. You know, you didn't really know that until the end of the episode what was going on with Tendi. So right. uh, we still have no idea. I still. After rewatching it again, I still, I mean, obviously the whales saved, saved Boimler somehow, <laughs> but, uh, you know, how, you know, the, you don't see them coming as his vision is blurring as he's stuck, uh, in that part of, you know, the tunnel. And, uh, and I also, I didn't catch it. I didn't see how he ripped his suit either. So yeah that part wasn't clear to me i think he was just kind of like struggling with the mag magnet interlock or whatever and, and just ripped know, yeah which, uh so you know, oh, you that's know. fragile yeah right it should not be and then everyone else is in in their masks in, in their full uniforms you know uh ransom was based again another callback to to the abrams verse right of uh what, was it? It was into darkness, right? Where was it into Kirk darkness? is, yeah, Kirk is piloting himself through space towards the vengeance, and his his uh, shield cracks, but he has. Oh, uh, those... I thought you were talking about the the joystick, which I think we saw. Was that in Insurrection? We saw that. That was in the joystick is from Insurrection, but the visor thing is from from uh, into dark you see kind of the overlay yeah and the, like yeah. the path that you're trying mm -hmm. to get to and all of the the rocks that you're trying to get through which is what oh. he was trying to do mm -hmm. in into darkness and um so there's that callback uh i i i am also of them i i didn't get why they couldn't i agree why couldn't you like warp out of the system come in from a different trajectory yeah that part wasn't clear to me i i only imagined that it was um if the if the debris kind of was orbiting the planet and kind of like just it was like all over the place and it wasn't just in one direction though from the visuals you saw it was mostly like in like one area but yeah. if it kind of because i think so there was a mention like oh it was like orbiting the planet or something it's right you couldn't over. get any on the planet a little more, a little more difficult yeah, you couldn't get any on the planet, and so that was. But I, I, I felt bad for Kayshawn, right? Who, who comes up with that? And I was like, that's a uh, good yeah. idea. Like, and everybody was like, he like screamed at him, like, "What are you thinking?" Like, I didn't quite. He was like, "It's just an idea." Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just such a great. Like, I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I think everyone's firing all cylinders. Um, and yeah, everyone had, I think, that hero moment. Um, I think, obviously, Mariner had all the stuff to work out. And it's honestly been, I think, in the works all season. But her her abandonment issues, her um, 
her tendency to push people away. So we saw that in this episode and her mom tries to convince her of that and then she fights with her and says right and you know you're always trying to change me and i mean it's you know which is a valid point for mariner's perspective but it's not really a change it's just like it's growing it's not really changing right i mean she's Uh, like immature you know like she she needs to grow up yeah um and i i'm glad that tendy tendy Rutherford and Boiler were there in Cetacean Ops. Um, were kind of just like, you got to get over it and just, you know, pass yeah, we're your there. family. Uh, I thought that yeah. was another really that was a great, cool moment. That's a great moment. And I think yeah. it was a hero moment for everyone to kind of convince Mariner to yep. just get over it and grow up a little bit and go figure things out with her mom. You know, I thought that was great. Um, yeah, the only silly part about this episode that, you know, I really could have done without is the whole captain freeman day bit uh and boimler that was just doing for like for laughs yeah you know just from boimler's perspective about how he's trying to shout and get captain freeman's attention that he did the decorations which you know is a clear clear callback to obviously captain picard day but uh you know that's the only piece of this episode which i was like eh you know, why is this ensign still trying to kiss the captain's butt and doing this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, also Rutherford deleted all of his redundant memories. And that we kind of reminded me, I don't know if it, it when I was watching that, it reminded me of um, on Discovery, remember Arium? Yeah. She was like, yeah. she had to like back up her memories and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me a little bit about that. Like she's also a fellow cyborg. Or something. Right, yeah. And obviously uh, Rutherford yeah. is a newer model per se. So Yeah. But uh, I thought that was kind of a interesting interesting uh narrative angle where it's about like these like memories that need to be backed up and how that kind of plays into the character development of it all. But then we got like this scene where it's like, Oh, was this force on him? You know, right, what is and by whom, to- you know, obviously there's some section thirty one possibilities here, but uh yeah i thought that was really interesting so i'm excited to see what they do with rutherford's character in the next season uh we also get you know a couple of scenes with jennifer the andorian and that's right jennifer so uh and you know there's a little bit of a vibe between mariner and jennifer i i Uh, mean i thought that i I thought that there was a little bit of a you know always see that like you mentioned last time between rutherford and billups i don't know it's yeah okay. i think it's okay that for there are... to be any platonic platonic uh relationships between people yeah i mean but i but i think you know anything's possible and i think that you know i mean we do know mariner is pansexual like right. you know yes. she yeah. she's it doesn't really matter um you know the sex and anything like that I didn't right. really, I did not sense that. I think I totally yeah. felt that. So, uh, yeah. So there is that. And what else from this episode? So we haven't even talked about the cliffhanger, right? Uh, which we, we got to the point where she was going to refuse. And then she finds out right. that pack led planet is blown up. And, right. you know, uh, you know, I, I actually think that this is a really good cliffhanger. And I, I think to myself, Gosh, what if they had never been offered a third season? What would have changed? Would this oh, scene have yeah. even existed? Uh, but what a great way to do that and to pull up the images of her meeting with the packleds and mm. uh, 
and her being in the orbit of Packlet planet or whatever yeah of the Packlet planet and then somehow being tied to the bomb that we know the klingons gave to the Packlet. yeah i wonder if it's like some sort of conspiracy or if it's just like uh, you know just someone inept not doing a good job i don't know yeah i was also thinking uh what if this is sort of like a a way to to uh do sort of a surreptitious way of sending her in to figure out this problem like they oh interesting send a send a debunked captain in to kind of find out what really happened or what's really going on and who's at who's really at the center of this which we sort of know that the klingons did this but yeah but uh, i don't need i'll be honest i don't need the pack lads to be drawn out further because i feel like we got enough of them this season i yeah i they're not really doing it for me as like the big bad for the show so i can do without it but we'll see what happens yeah i mean we still and the one thing that we haven't really seen other than the lower decks of the borg cube but uh is the the real possibility that the borg are out there and somehow manipulating this or this would or not be their way at all no but i mean i'm thinking of other big bads that would be interesting to uh, kind of explore in this time frame i suppose um yeah i i i could uh i could I, if they moved on from the packlets i i would be totally fine yeah no i, I think Obviously. yeah i'm kind of yeah uh but uh, but also we have to remember that this is a comedy versus a drama so right what other though com- this episode i would have to say was i mean there were some like lol moments but it wasn't like that funny, you know, it was no. Yeah, it was definitely more like it was definitely more character action driven. There were, again, some like especially a cetacean ops. There were some moments thrown in there just to be funny. But um, overall, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't super funny, which I think is fine. You know, I, I think it doesn't need to be. I think that the great thing about Lower Decks is that it offers like it offers a lot of variety and it could be funny. It could be silly. But it can also give us a really action-packed episode like this and wouldn't miss a beat, you know? Yeah, uh, I agree, yeah. Um, but I thought it was a really, really powerful, like, definitely so many different directions to go in with the season three opener. How, you know, how this is... Obviously, the crew wants to do something... They actually can't go anywhere because they don't have a hull, so they can't go to warp. They can't sort of follow her, per se. So, but I'm, I'm sure the crew is gonna like band together and you know, yeah, and want to do something. So there is that piece of it. So I think that that's uh, that'll be. Yeah, I wonder if we're gonna get like a uh, substitute captain, and then we get us like a. Uh, chain of command situation or oh, something yeah. like that. I mean, we, we could, uh, you know, that's right up Mike McMahon's alley. So we could definitely see that. Uh, I could see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many possibilities, but you know, the, I do, I do think this is a pretty big cliffhanger. I would have to say that mm-hmm. since we did talk about descent earlier, I think that this is almost a bigger cliffhanger than descent. I mean, I think that this is a great cliffhanger for season two. Uh, 
not to the level of the best of both worlds, but no. uh, <laughs> but be hard to live up to. But also remember that we probably have a good ten months until the till we see the re resolution of this. So right. uh, we have a ways to wait and with mm. no knowledge of what's going to happen. So right, right. Uh, so this is this is going to be a, a it's a great episode and it's obviously going to be is totally rewatchable multiple times. But um, but it's a while it's going to be a while before we see the outcome. Yeah. And also, we didn't even talk about it. Sonia Gomez. I was just about to say the exact same thing. I was like, we haven't even talked about Sonia Gomez yet. From Next Generation, Q Who episode. Q and then I think she was on one other episode or something. Probably, yes. I can't think of which one now. Yeah, I thought Sonia Gomez was fine, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Great to fine. see her uh, captaining a, a beautiful starship like the Archimedes and... Yeah, um, I have very little to say about Sonia Gomez. I mean, like she was obviously just like you know, like another. I mean, Sonia Gomez. Let's be honest, is kind of like a deep cut. It's like if you, you know, if you if you haven't watched these two specific episodes, particularly Q Who, or don't remember because it's been like thirty years. I mean, but it's a know, nice callback. You'd be from... hard pressed to be like. I mean, when you told me Sonia Gomez is going to be on, I told me a second. And I don't know where I pulled it from. I was like, Sonia Gomez from Q-Who? I was like, I haven't seen Q-Who in like, God knows how long. So it was- Well, I mean, just, she was uh, she was a part of the core Starfleet Corps of Engineers ebook uh, series. So okay. she was kind of a main character in that for, so, I mean, I, I, I knew that the minute someone said Sonia Gomez, I knew exactly who it was where she came from, like what episode. <laughs> Not all of us have read all the Sardar novels, Mike. No, I haven't read them all either, but I did read that series pretty uh, pretty seriously for a long time. Uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, so I think that that was a big callback. And again, it's a callback from the Lower Decks. Again, it's another callback to right, Lower sure. Decks. So sure. um, that's what I thought was re also really cool. But uh, some, some cool scenes with her in it. Obviously, uh, I thought that the the ensign tripping was a little weak a little on the forced. Yeah, that was a little forced, but yeah, that the ensign tripping and then Sonia being like, "I've done worse in front of more intimidating captains." I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's stiff." Like it was also just kind of like the whole setup of it was kind of just like, "Wink, wink," you know, yeah. nudge, nudge. Hope you know what we're talking about. I'm like, okay, all right, I understand. It was, yeah. it was very, and it wasn't, um, some people have criticized um, the actress of whose name I do not know. Um, and, you know, I thought she was fine. I did not think this particular scene was her fault. I thought it was just like overall a little awkward. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's Alicia uh, Naff. And uh, I think I'm saying her name right. But um, yeah, so... That's that's who plays Sonia Gomez. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And also voiced it. So great callback, though I thought, and uh, yeah, you know, another another nice piece to this episode. Yeah, know? totally. Cool. Um, so I think that does it for the finale of Lower Decks season two. So, Mike, next week we're gonna talk about uh, the season 
as a whole, just give some of our high level thoughts and kind of wrap things up as we have our one week break before Prodigy. Um, though technically, yes, we're, we're a week behind. So Prodigy comes out next week, but we'll re- be reviewing it the week after. So yes. Right. Yes. 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 I so, mean, it does, does sort of take away us having to do spoiler spoiler you know spoiler alerts and things like that so Mm. you know in that sense but right you know it also gives us the turnaround time because this the episodes come out on thursday and thursday is when i edit this podcast so it doesn't really work out so it would mean a long and also we get a week to kind of listen to other people talk about it we get to do a little research on any little parts of it that we don't understand or want to explore more before we talk about it. So, but we still bring our original thoughts to it, which is not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, no, obviously definitely. parroting what other people have to say about it. Hopefully, no, no, so. not at all. I don't. I you know I don't actually. Yeah, no. But I love this episode, so I'm, and and I think it'll be great to talk about the whole season. Yeah, cool. So we'll do that next week. All right. So, Mike, I know that we also want to spend a little bit of time talking about Coda, about Star Trek Coda, book one, Moments, Moments Under. Yeah. Right. Right. So, this is going to be a full spoiler cast. Like, it's going to be a full deep dive into book one. So, right. spoiler warning for our listeners if you haven't read, coda first book one just just stop listening <laughs> yeah just stop listening if, if, if Skip stop ahead listening. to the end if you want to hear our if, you, promo- if you want to listen to our fan sets call <laughs> out, yeah skip to the last three minutes but otherwise you we we won't we won't be hurt if you decide to stop listening at this point and if you haven't us. read it and want if you to, haven't read it and want um, to read it and want and correct and want to read it um and We'll just see you next time. Otherwise, for those that are listening, I want to hear what we have to say about book one of this um, lit verse wrap up. We're going to talk about it right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I just read a little bit of a review that kind of calls this the Avengers Endgame of the Trek Litterverse. Um, the Litterverse, that's right. Yeah, Uh, or not. They have another name for it, too. Uh, But anyway, uh, novel verse or I don't know. Anyway, Uh, but yeah. So, well, to preface it, you know, I I, we talked about this a week or two ago, but you and I, you know, we've read we've definitely read plenty of Star Trek books um, as we were growing up, um, especially the pocket books, the pocket novels, whatever, things like that. Um, And the overarching story or behind the scenes of this whole literary not these liter- these novels this liter the reverse whatever um was basically post nemesis having this multi-year gap in canon right yeah so basically these authors were able to do whatever the shit they wanted because they were off. They basically got this entire level of freedom because they didn't have to abide by quote unquote canon anymore. 
and right. they didn't have to worry about another new series. There was Enterprise, but honestly, that was a prequel, so it doesn't matter. Um, they didn't have to worry about new series, new movies, because there just wasn't that on the horizon, right? There, like people didn't know when Star Trek was gonna come back, if at all. Like you know, we got the JJ movies, but those were third of set in an alternate timeline, so there's really nothing stopping these authors from doing whatever they wanted. And, and we've shared our thoughts on the destiny trilogy, which is probably the biggest um, storyline that brought a lot of the, a lot of the different stories, a few of the different stories together for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest, the, the biggest comparison. I mean, they've done other really long series like the fall and, and uh, others that they've kind of broken out and and Mm -hmm. done this. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I've only sporadically read a few novels here and there towards the end of this Litterverse run uh, after Destiny. So, uh, you know, so there are definitely some gaps in here. And I think that, you know, you and I talked, we were a little worried about our gap in knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. of what the literverse was actually like at this right. point in the story. Yeah. Cause we have not, we definitely, you've probably read more than I have. Cause I only read destiny and I think that was it. Maybe one other book or something, but even more limited. Yeah. And you know, and, and so that was your worry going into it. So I, I read, I listened to it first and then I said, no, no, I think you can go ahead and read it. And you picked it up after right. I finished it. Right. Uh, but I, and, and I'll assure our audience that even if you haven't really fought, if you've read a few novels here or there, Dayton Ward, and honestly, like I, I am a huge fan of Dayton Ward. He's been a Star Trek writer since the Strange New Worlds. He won the first contest for the Strange New Worlds uh, writing short story contest that uh-huh. Star Trek ran for a number of years. Uh, so he does a great job of one. There's this whole intro of all the things that have like the big overriding things that have happened. Right. Right. Like uh, the definitely the TLDR version of it. Yeah. You know? So you, you get that to begin with, uh, right. which is super helpful. And then when you get into more nuanced or story pieces that are they, they kind of like weave in a recap. Yeah, they right. they you know, he does a great job of telling you the stuff that you need to know to keep going in the story. Right. And so yeah. That that, that was it... definitely helpful cuz Yeah. There were definitely I mean there are definitely characters that I did not know at all. Yep. We Same definitely here. have some new characters that basically we've never known and will never know again cuz they're dead. Um and I was just like, who's this? Oh, they're dead. Oh, wow. Dude. Yeah, you know, speaking of the... So this is also where the Avengers uh, kind of ties into the story. I'm not a huge... The, the one thing I'm not a huge fan of is how people kind of dissolve into nothingness. Right. You, as, you really, the problem is we don't really get... Yeah, that's an issue because we don't get like a death scene. You know, we don't right. they, get they get touched the by these beings. Yeah, they get you touched know. by these beings and they essentially dissolve into nothingness. Right. So but before we get into some of the narrow plot points, I guess we can kind of give just kind of kind of an overarching yep. takeaway and thought about um, about this first book. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, just to quickly summarize, but not to get too deep into it, because we can spend like, you know, probably an hour just summarizing the book. Um, this new, this timeline is essentially facing a crisis. And was a crusher was essentially the hero of the story, more or less. Um, who has become what, a traveler. Which who has become a traveler. So traveler. It's, it's traveler version of Wesley Crusher. And we get a few different iterations of him based upon where we are in the novel and um, who, like where he is in his timeline, his, his uh, from his perspective. Um, right. He is basically running into this nemesis um, who is looking to wreck up time. And one of the biggest first scenes that we get with between Wesley and this unknown enemy is on the Guardian planet where these bad guys destroyed the Guardian Forever, which is a big scene. I was like, whoa, the Guardian Forever, you know, that's a big deal. Um, and it's a lot of the book is from his POV where he's trying to track these beings down, um, trying to observe what they're doing, trying to figure out what they want. Um, and ultimately meeting up with the post-nemesis, post-all-these-books Enterprise E-crew, primarily uh, Picard and Beverly, Picard and Beverly Crusher. And Worf is the first officer. And Worf, who is a, now the first officer of the E. Um, Jordy's still there as the engineer. And Jordy is still there. Jordy's always down there in, the en- in engineering, doing his thing. Um and working with them to figure this all out and trying to figure out who is behind it all, who's trying to wreck time, uh, blow up these timelines, things like that. There's also, uh, so there's also the connection between Jean-Luc and Beverly's son, Rene and Wesley. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this connection between the two of them, but also, uh, through an attack on the Enterprise E of these beings, uh, Renee, who was six years old, is no, turned into a 19 or 18, 19 year old yeah. uh, in a matter of seconds by simply getting like a tip of a of a piece like, of this being touching. like brushed, basically brushed, um, grazed, I guess. Yeah, grazed, yeah. and so so there's that piece of you know this is. You know, Renee is uh, a big part of this story as well. So it's sort of, you know, Wesley, right. Renee, Picard. There's and something like emotional connection yeah. there. Yeah, right. You know, we also have, uh, we have the Aventine and Captain Dax and her first mm-hmm. officer, Sam Bowers, mm-hmm. uh, who Sam is a, is a full on uh, literary character created in this universe. Mm hmm. I believe he served on the Enterprise, I want to say. Pretty sure he um, did. No, I have no idea. Uh, at some point uh, before Riker was made Admiral and or Captain and then Admiral of the Titan. And um, so we do have a slight touch of the Titan, but not a lot there in another part of the... Very little, like very little, very little of the Titan. We get more time on the Aventine. Um, we also spend some time on the Relativity Right, we have the relativity Captain who's observing, the yeah, yes, who's observing um, these events from different time frames, right, uh, and, and almost the almost the same problem that faced Picard in the the uh, season seven finale, all good things, 
the the backwards time loop right the, the there's the there's the typhon anomaly yeah and the like yeah that. the typhon anomaly that is sort of backwards in time yeah something like that something. i wasn't very clear i mean like you know so at the end well in the middle right we so basically yes there's these beings these bad guys that are going through all these different uh, going to all these different timelines um these multi multiverses basically destroying them or triggering big events and blowing things up, killing people. Um, and we come to find out in the middle of the book that it's the Davidians. And I was like, okay, interesting. Um, I don't know how, what your reaction was. I was like, the Davidians from Time uh, Arrow, really? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's... I was like, and this is like they're like the OP, overpowered version of the Davidians. It's like a more evolved form of Davidians, whatever, whatever. That basically, you know, they because of their ability to time shift and travel through time, they're they're able to like you know destroy Borg's fear without a second's thought. You know, they're able to basically like blow up like entire worlds, like without any sort of issues, like very easy. And all in the name of like, based upon like what we got from Time's Arrow, they're like feeding on the consciousnesses of these people that like before they're dying, like essentially they're, they're feeding. I forget, did we ever figure out the name of their little minions? So the minions are what, Wesley is sort of fighting. He's not fighting the Davidians directly. He's he's fighting these beings that I, I'm trying to even think of how to describe them. They're like I, I the way I look at it is like these floating cloaks with dark faces. <laughs> They're no, dementors, basically. <laughs> They're basically dementors um, from Harry Potter. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and they actually instill fear in people because the Davidians kind of feed on that psychic energy and also those heightened feelings or whatever. Um, so very similar to the Dementors, they, they also impose a sense of fear on their victims, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, but no, it's not like they're like, they, they were kind of described as like kind of like mannequin-like beings with the, the consciousness of the Davidians inside them. Um, but it wasn't, they're not the actual, so that's why they're like a quote unquote, like a version of the Davidians versus like, I don't know, versus like the actual Davidians themselves or whatever like that. But, um, but I don't know. I, I, I was just like, I thought that was interesting. Um, that was a, it was a very deep cut. And I think that making them the villain is definitely something that is different. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of, I don't know how you felt about it. I, I was kind of like, kind of just like let down because they're literally, they're the dinky villains from Time's Arrow, you know? Um, and I was just, I was like, so this is going to basically end the multiverse as we know it. You know, they're going to end the multiverse as we know it. Um, that one's kind of just like, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how you feel about that particular reveal. 
but to I was, me, uh, I was just like oh. I was mildly underwhelmed. Uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed this overall storyline, and I really wanted to know who these minion beings, the Dementors, as we can call them, uh, were. Uh, that's who I, you know, and they they had the Dementors, and then they had a leader, right, that Wesley faced off against. Uh, so that was more interesting to me than figuring out this whole Davidian thing. And and once we did, I was, you know, I was kind of, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, all right. I, you know, I wasn't, that probably, that was definitely not the most exciting part of this, this for me. Well, I mean, for me, it was definitely like, who's behind it all? I want to know. Yeah, And then once yeah. it was revealed, I was like, oh, it's the Davidians. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's, uh yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, it's a story, you know, it's a nice it's callback fine. to, to Time's Era, right? And then I guess these overpowered beings uh, as they, I, I assume, I'm assuming that OP is a gaming term, right? Yes, I, okay. I'm pretty sure it's a gaming term. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's, it's in the vernacular. Right okay, yes. Uh, but they are OP. They were like ridiculously powerful. Um, I am not convinced at all that Q would not step into something like this. Like I'm, I, well, you got to remember that that Q is part of the new timeline, right? Or he's going to be in Picard. So they're sort of curtailed by having that knowledge. I'm sure that they had that knowledge in writing this. They may have even come up with a Q driven storyline to begin with and had to go back to the writing board because they found out that Q is going to be in Picard. Maybe. Uh, I mean, Wesley does mention Q very briefly, but he was just like, oh, they probably just aren't involving themselves. And I was like, I find that to be doubtful. But also, I think uh, whoever reached out to these authors, uh, and I forget if it was Michelle Paradise or someone else on the Star Trek team, the official team of of TV shows, uh, reached out to these authors about this or however that all took place. I think that they probably had an idea already that Q is going to be in the second season of Picard. Maybe. So that was probably off the off the table to begin with, which is totally fine. Um, so there is that piece. I, you know, I, and I'm glad that, you know, honestly, I, I'm glad that Q is not involved. But I think to no, if that, I, I feel like Q was involved, it would like, you know, it, it, it we wouldn't get the kind of drama that we're getting. Yeah, because Q always, you know, if they solve the problem that Q sets out, right, he resets everything, essentially, or whatever. Yeah. And that's what not what this was about. This is actually taking down everything that, that had been built up. and Right. Which is kind of sad in itself, but, you know, yeah, at least is. they're lot, being given the chance to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I intimated a few weeks ago when I first read this that, the you know, and I didn't, you know, listening to an audiobook is obviously different. I don't get the the page numbers and, you know, right. where in the story I'm at, I'm just listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the big thing that I had intimated at was the death of Dax. As we which was, yeah. uh, which was really surprising. Um, and honestly it was, I don't think it was written well. I, I it wasn't, uh, it was, yeah. but part of the problem is how everyone dies because once one of these beings touched or one of their minions, touches anyone they basically disintegrate yeah so So there is no no chance for a good a tearful goodbye or some sort of farewell it's literally they just like they fade into nothing you know so i mean it's it's a great way to make the stakes 
super high. I mean, the right. stakes are super high. I mean, I, I'm, you know, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I felt that, you know, the, the fade to white or the, the explosion of white, whatever it was for the end of Captain Dax was, was, uh, a bit inconclusive until well into the next the next chapter next chapter we have these other characters picard and sam bowers is Bowers was talking right? about yeah. it so uh yeah there there isn't you know that this is so imminent that there isn't a lot of time to process and they do talk about this you know one of the characters lost some friends uh one of the literary characters lost a bunch of their friends like Torek, who is from lower decks mm-hmm. from the lower decks episode uh dies in engineering and or disappear how i mean i guess dies right and so his best friend slash former lover slash or you know elfiki yeah elfiki um yeah. does a little research and and trying to figure out what he knew about from the relativity, I think, right? Wasn't it from the relativity? Oh my god! It, no, it was a Robinson of the book. It was like another like planet eater or something like that. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, or so there's that. Yeah. You know, there isn't a. That's really the only scene we get of uh, that I that I can recall of there being some emotional uh, impact for the loss of these lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really get a scene where Sam Bowers is like mourning the captain. You don't, you know, you don't get any of that. And, and I, and I'm trying to, um, you probably remember better. I'm trying to remember, you know, other than being generally upset and Picard and Beverly don't even really react. They react some to Renee's acceleration and what mm-hmm. his life is going to be like in the right. future because it's a 19 year old body with a six year old mind. And there are ways to, to kind of bring that together, but, um, or to bring that closer together, not even fully. Um, so there's that piece of it. So there's, there, there's, I would say that this is a much more action oriented book with very, with very little emotion. And I, and I love Dayton Morton and this isn't, this isn't a criticism, but it's, you know, it's something I think is missing is some emotional resonance to this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, as I was reading it, um, and I feel like we did a hot posh job of kind of summarizing everything, but there is a lot going on in this book. It's hard to summarize in like five minutes. Yeah, it is. But, um, you know, I, I think overall it did feel very cold. Like, you know, there are, I agree with you. I think there are moments where, there is some motion, particularly between Beverly and Picard. But the problem is, since they're essentially in a state of war, there's not much time to kind of process yeah, and yeah. talk things out. And there are some conversations where, yes, they, they talk, kind of talk things through. There was some emotion when Beverly and Wesley unite, reunited. There are some, some moments like that. But for the yeah. most part, it's very, very plot-heavy and plot-driven. Yeah. Um, I, even, even when she, even yeah. when older Wesley dies, right? There's not even a, there's not much emotion. Well, she doesn't I even mean, have a chance to process it, you know. Yeah, and then the younger, happens or and then the younger version shows, shows up. up. So, right. Yeah, um, so, that's something. Know, that's some, that's something we didn't even touch on. Like we get yeah. like a really old Wesley that's like basically four hundred years old coming by, and he dies, and yeah, and then we get young Wesley Crusher. It that's right. there was a lot. There was, you know, I think that. The 
I mean, a couple of things. I, you know, if I was to compare this to Destiny, which is obviously the other big epic trilogy that we got um, post Nemesis, I thought, I thought Destiny was excellent, you know, and I thought that it did an amazing job drawing all these different characters and worlds and series together um, in a way that was very mind blowing and the stakes were, for some reason, the stakes in Destiny felt even more visceral to me. Um, I think there was more character-driven stuff in Destiny. Uh, you know, obviously with the the with the um, Columbia, right? With the Columbia crew, right. there was right. that emotional piece. Um, obviously, with the Borg being the major baddie of that piece, or mm-hmm. one of the major baddies, right? Uh, you know, we all have a risk back then when that was written, we had a very visceral reaction to the Borg. And we know, even though, even though we've seen Voyager and we've seen the, you know, eight, seven, four, two species, um, which is somewhat worse than the Borg to some extent, but we see, you know, we have this, we've created the Borg to be this ultimate evil. And so, right this ultimate evil feels very different than that and uh and the thing also- is they're what they're doing like in terms of kind of snuffing out like alternate timelines is very it's in some ways almost abstract like and when wesley was kind of a, you know what they kind of break down their master plan there's like this long exposition at the end where wesley kind of draws a diagram <laughs> like i can literally see this like this like org chart of like a PowerPoint um, of how the, you know, the Davidians are basically going to break time. And I was just, it's very, the thing is it's much more abstract. Like the idea of like how they are stumping out these time, these all timelines and ultimately that's going to affect the main timeline. And I'm like, okay, like, you know. Well, you know, I, I got feeling, I got, through that part of it, I sort of got vibes of uh, Daniel's little uh, from Enterprise, Daniel's oh, yeah. little world of, and his little device that kind of explains everything, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, it doesn't explain everything because you have to know what you're looking for. But that, and also when you see Daniel's and, and um, oh my gosh, I can see uh, Scott Bakula, but I can't think, Jonathan Archer, there we go. Okay. Uh, when Daniel's and... Um, and Jonathan Archer are talking in this weird space where you see all like timelines yeah. flowing. That's sort of the impression that I got from what mm-hmm. Wesley was trying to show. Uh, so that's where my my mental picture went for that piece of uh, it. Okay, okay, okay. Um, which I thought helped a little bit, but um, it you know it's it's again it's as we talked about it can, you know and it's hard it's hard it's not fair really to compare it to Destiny. Uh, you know, Destiny was a long time ago um, in it, long time ago in this literverse timeline, but also written right. a long time ago as right, well. Right, right, right. Um, so it's definitely not really fair. And, and obviously, you know, that's hard to do. It's hard to wrap up 20 years of books. Right. Uh, but, you know, yes, the, the two the two things that are disappointing for me is that the emotional, the lack of em, the emotion in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, also having this very abstract baddie that is not right. 
Uh, that we don't really have any sort of emotional connection to because they're literally in just one dinky two-parter. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's there's that so you know it's those those two pieces i mean we we have the very familiar characters we have the you know we have wesley which actually for me this book one of the highlights was actually wesley yeah no he had a lot to do yeah and and, uh seeing him journey through this and also you know his connection with renee and wanting to protect renee was really important to him as well so there's mm. that piece of it that I really enjoyed. Right. Yeah, no, um, I, I I thought Wesley was good. Uh, so, yeah, I was really, you know, yeah, I was, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to repeat what I've said. It's, it's been and you know, it's like it's also the first book. It's right. Yeah, up. this is a setup. This is a setup. It's a setup. So, so you know, so now we had a know lot of going in. What yeah. the stakes are? We understand the stakes. We understand the villain. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, I, I'm looking forward to drawing in more of the other Star Trek characters because, again, most of this was focused on the E, and literally Ezri was in it for like a hot minute before she was killed off. But you know, we got a little bit of Worf, but he's having like bad dreams, and that's very right. open ended. I was like, oh, okay, yep. <laughs> don't know how that connects to everything else. Um. But other than that, it's been mo- it's mostly just it's mostly Picard, right? Beverly, and and, and that's that's the timeline. That's the piece of Star Trek Literaverse that Dayton has been focused on. So that makes mm-hmm. the most sense for him to kind of help wrap that piece of it up. You know, other authors have done the Deep Space Nine novels. Uh, other authors have done the Voyager novels. Uh-huh. So, um and and remind me i've seen the triptych of the the covers but i don't remember voice i i remember I deep think Nine. on them I, yeah. there was one ship i didn't recognize i mean we, we have the new ds9 we have i think the defiant and then there was the third book has a ship on on it that maybe it's the aventine maybe it is the aventine. Sure. um but it, was, so, it wasn't the voyager yeah sure. so so there's that piece of it so you know that yeah, we'll we'll kind of see it, and I think we'll be able to as we read it, you know, early next year when, or maybe in December, we can if we have time while watching two two Star Trek series and oh talking about that. Uh, plus, you know, the final book comes out in in the end of November, so a couple of weeks mm-hmm. after all of this happens. So you know, maybe in December we can figure out a way to kind of talk about the whole trilogy wrap up. Yeah, that'd be great. We should. But we also and and also in December, which I'm kind of excited about, we get a we get a uh, DS9 novel with uh, I think it's Kira and D- Jadzia. So I'm excited about that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So obviously that's that's during the series. So that's kind right. of nice. uh, okay. Cool. Um, so that's I don't I I have no idea. Oh, and then I think we have a Picard novel. Another Picard novel coming out in January. Oh, I don't know. I've I don't know what's coming up. Those. You know, I I don't know what's next for, um, and, and this is another thing that you know I've made comment before that Star Wars does this better. Star Wars does a little bit better with uh, marketing their books further out than, uh, than Star Trek does. Uh, still don't understand why, why you wouldn't apply the lessons of one major universe to another. But anyway, uh. 
that is part of my Lego rant as well. Uh huh. Yes. Now, yes, I'm, yes. now, no. now I'm extending it to we know to the books. But anyway, uh, because also you know we have new Star Wars books coming out. Anyway, um, but getting back to this, you know, I I think it, you know it is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that I am hoping that Wesley stays through the the next two books as kind of the the string that ties us yeah, all together. I, mm-hmm. I, I hope that that's the case because uh, I don't want to go into each book having to relearn everything that is, you know, happening or, yeah. you know, like I want I want the recap from the DS9 universe or whatever is next. Um, but, I you know, I don't want another whole introduction to to this this problem. Um, so I'm hoping. Right. I'm hoping that that we do get the E going to DS9 or that, you know, that there's some connection throughout all of this. Uh, right. And obviously we still, you know, obviously Renee does not exist in the new timeline. So no, uh, that we're aware of, uh, you know, we don't even know what Picard and, and Crusher's relationship is in the new timeline either. So uh, there's that as well. So there's, a you know, and there's been no indication that we're going to get that in season two of Picard. So, you know, there's still a, there's still a lot of questions, but I think it's I think the writing's on the wall for Renee. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Picard and Crusher. Yeah. Uh, as well as as well as. So I did read a DS9 novel recently, Original Sin, that uh, was on sale on Audible. And that one. You know, Ben Sisko is on the Robinson, which is a galaxy class starship in the mm-hmm. Gamma Quadrant. So um, with Cassidy and his daughter. So there's okay. also that piece that they need to wrap up. Right. No, there's a lot to wrap up, honestly. Yeah. So, so. it'll be interesting, uh, you know, but I do hope that Wesley plays a part in this story throughout. And uh, I think so. I mean, that would make sense. But I yeah. guess we'll see. So we'll, we'll find out next week. Uh, you know, uh, it comes out Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm one to download those right away and start listening. Right. Even though I've got uh, three other books going or four other books going right now. Oh, my God. That's a lot to juggle. I, I, I'm seriously reading like six Come books on. right now. Okay. Not all, not uh, three physical and two or three audio. So, um, yes. So anyway, so anyway. we'll look forward to book two next week, and we'll continue. Yeah. We'll give you. We'll give it another couple of weeks, maybe right before Discovery starts. Uh, we'll recap Coda book two, and then um, that should work along the timeline somewhat. Uh, ha- was that a joke? No, it's sort of a joke, yes. All right. Well, good job. Uh, so there, All right. there we go. Coda Coda is underway and worth worth the read. You don't yes, need definitely to, worth the read. You don't need sure. to and like we said, you don't need you get caught up if you've if you've hit a few books in the, the lit verse in the last five or ten years, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll you'll be fine. If you even if you haven't, you will you will uh, be able to jump on board and enjoy a uh, universal Armageddon, really, of, yeah, uh, of the really uh, of the lit verse of Star Trek. It's all uh, over, it's totally all over. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, 
we will definitely chat more when we actually have a chance to read the next book and we'll take it from there. Yes. All right, Mike, um, do you want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor? Absolutely. Fansets is our exclusive sponsor of Deep Space Pride and the Trek Geeks podcast network. And uh, speaking of which, we gave away a couple of uh, Voyager DS9 magnetic uh, badges to a couple yes, of we winners did. Yes, we did. last week. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, so that was fun, uh, fun to give away that sort of stuff. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be able to do that again. Uh, congratulations to Billy and Desi who are, were the winners of those. And I believe that your deltas are on the way to you. So I, look out I for them. So. They should be. Yeah, they should be. Uh, you probably received them. If you're listening to this now, you probably have received them. Uh, so we hope you enjoy those and uh, there's plenty more on fansets.com if uh if you have any fandom i mean they've got tons of them they've got dc comics they've got the big bang theory have you ever watched the big bang theory? no i have not watched the big bang theory oh, okay uh Absolutely i not. think i i actually think you'd probably get something out of it but maybe um you know they have a lot of halloween uh, they have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So there's a lot of great pins on here. Uh, the latest pins for Star Trek are the Balana Torres Women of Trek Series 3 glitter pin. Uh, all right. Uh, we have Captain uh, Admiral Kirk uh, in his uh, red tunic, which we talked about last week. Yes. And Jillian uh, Taylor from Star Trek IV sure. in her uniform at the end of Star Trek IV okay uh so yeah go to fansets.com put a bunch of pins into your uh cart including some great lower decks pins they, so they're character pins they have the badges they have the cerritos pin uh there is also the uh their uh the cerritos bar pin as well so the what the Cerritos bar, so the they have a like a martini. Like they're ten forward. Yeah, they're ten forward. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, a pin for that. So definitely go to fansets.com, check out all their pins, put a bunch in your cart, and if you put more than thirty dollars, which is actually pretty easy uh, to do, if you're in the U.S., you'll get free shipping, and if you use the code DS Pride, all in caps. All caps you will get 10% off your order. And uh, we thank Fansets for being our sponsor and the sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Thanks, Fansets. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, that does it for this supersized episode of Deep Space Pride. It's probably time for you to have dinner with Dennis. <laughs> I don't know if he's it been is. counting you. Um, I already ate dinner because you know I I'm like hashtag early bird special. So <laughs> you are yeah. You I are, ate dinner at like six fifteen. You I, are an old man. If if I'm you could eat dinner old. at four p.m., you probably would. I was getting hungry at like five today. Yeah. So yeah. in any case, um, yeah. Thanks so for joining our, us. Yeah. You want to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us? Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yes, we asked. Uh, you can get in touch with us. On, I can't speak anymore because it's been an hour and a half. Um, but you can all get in touch with us on the social medias and email. 
Uh, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep Space Pride, and you can email us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. Cool. All right. Uh, this finally brings these, this episode to an end. Again, I cannot speak anymore. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about Lower Decks Season 2 yes. as a whole. Season 2 wrap. And uh, maybe maybe understand, um, get to know the characters of Prodigy before. Yes, we, actually get to know their names. before, And we maybe them. we can talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to uh, in Prodigy. Yeah. Sounds cool. good. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, listeners. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. We're yeah, thanks, prosper. everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.